Welcome to the Insider World Building Podcast, a place where you can experience life in another dimension, told from the perspective of a visitor to that dimension. I'm Fox Keys, that visitor is me, that dimension is called Dunaree, and I have lived here since I was tricked into passing through an interdimensional gateway just after my 14th birthday. In this episode, I meet the real Steincat. I get to see outside, and I learn about the importance of food in Dunery education. Oh, and I also learn I will be starting school under a new identity. I was up at 6.45 the next morning, not because I was feeling energetic, but because I didn't want to annoy the bed. To pass the time... I tried to draw a house map from memory, and, to my surprise, I made a decent effort of it, at least of the corridor outside. Shiny Top remained unusually quiet, which set me on edge. When a knock came on the door, Shiny Top sighed and said, She's here. Be careful. Don't let her manipulate you. Who is there? I asked. A grey, crazy-striped cat marched into the room. Standing upright, she was dressed in a leather waistcoat. A flat leather cap had a gold chain around her neck and a big belt slung around her waist. The belt had many pouches. It reminded me of the bandolier that Chewbacca wore in Star Wars. And this cat was very much alive. Her eyes glinted like emeralds. She looked at me, crinkled her nose, and said, When was the last time you washed? This rankled me. If a kid at school had challenged me like that, there might have been a fight. But this was a big cat with big, long clothes that clattered on the floor. And while her behaviour reminded me of some of the tougher kids at my school, I wasn't going to fight her. I hated conflict anyway. While I lived in a decent part of Dublin, there were kids at my school from different, rougher areas. Tribes had formed. It was difficult to keep neutral. And sometimes I'd been forced to fight when confronted with a threat. Of course, Steincat wasn't threatening me, but I couldn't let her talk to me like that. I crinkled up my nose and said, when was the last time you washed? I said this with a degree of confidence. I had already met two of Steincat goats, and I hoped that the mother of goats still had number five's kindness within her. The best thing to do was make friends with her. Steincat's nose twitched, just barely, but it was enough to cheer me. As if not knowing what to do next, Steincat patted one of her belt pouches. A misty face briefly appeared through the leather. A kitten. A ghost kitten. Pointing at the kitten, Steincat said, My mother killed me when I was born. Fascinated, I said, an accident. When I wouldn't say dead, Steincat continued, she dumped me in a nest of rats. No, I said, shocked. 
the worst thing my mother has ever done to me was stop my pocket money for a month when I smashed a window with a homemade firework. Why did she put you in with a nest of rats? I asked. Today, Steincat said, turning towards the door. You will go to the kitchen with me. The thought of getting some more of that Shell Valley bread cheered me up no end. Grabbing Shiny Top, I hurried after the cat. As we made our way along the corridor, Steincat's clothes clattered on the stone floor. I suspected she was doing it deliberately, showing off, reminding me who was boss here. Or maybe it was her way of reminding the intruder spells that she was there. Anyway, I didn't need reminding who was in charge that day. Anything who controlled an unquestioning army of its own ghosts unquestionably got my respect. A spicy smell grew in the air. When we arrived outside a big set of double doors, the smell of food had stoked my hunger so much I could have chewed my way through those doors to get at what was inside. The relaxing sound of gurgling, flowing water greeted me inside. To my left, the entire wall was a lump of rock, a mini cliff face. Water emerged from a spout at the top of this wall and flowed down along four distinct channels, chased into the rock. The water flowed in and out of bowls, cut into this mini cliff face. Beavers controlled this crazy system. The bowls resembled sinks. One was packed full of dishes, pots and plates. It reminded me of our kitchen sink at home after Sunday dinner, a kitchen sink that I always had to clean. My family was the only family I knew that had a human dishwasher, that dishwasher being me. And I just knew I'd have to clean Ganhook's sink too. Vegetables were laid out on a wooden bench. Red and dull yellow roots. Green and bright yellow leafy things. They all glistened like they'd just been rinsed. A little pot containing liquid sat behind the vegetables. At least I hoped there were vegetables. In this place, it wouldn't have surprised me if the things had risen up and danced across the table. Behind the bench, a waist-high rectangular block of grey stone sat at the far wall. Four circular metal grills sat in the stone. Beneath each, was a little black fire pit. One of the fire pits glowed a dull orange. And six metal doors filled the face of this block. The warmth pulsing from this oven thing brushed against my face. The wall behind the oven was covered with so many knives it resembled a medieval armory. It was, I decided, the coolest kitchen I'd ever seen. And this was only a part of it. Most of the kitchen was shrouded behind a wall of dark mist. What's there? I said, pointing at the mist, and annoyed that once again I wasn't being shown the full picture. The kitchen, Shiny Top said. This was the first time Shiny Top had spoken since Sign Cat had arrived, and it bothered me that he abstained so quiet. I leaned him against the wall. Steincat said, Yes, yes, it's the kitchen. Why has everything been kept hidden from me? I said. Hidden? Steincat said. 
I can't even see out my bedroom window, I replied. But I'm sick of it. Steinkat grinned in a weirdly human way and said, The kitchen isn't hidden. It's cloaked to keep everything clean and fresh. Take a look. Go inside if you like. Really, I said, looking into Shiny Top's eyes, hoping for confirmation. Boss Cat speaks the truth, Shiny Top said. A low growling emerged from the cat's throat. Maybe, Steincat hissed, moving toward Shiny Top. This, Boss Cat, needs a new scratching pole. Like it was about to split, a violent crackling came from the staff. Steincat drew back quickly. This wordless, violent interaction convinced me to never ever call Steincat Boss Cat. And it also reminded me again that Shiny Top was much more than just a ghost in a stick. Taking a deep breath and eager to get away from the pair of them, I pushed my head into the mist. Beyond, shrouded in shadow, was a room full of tables and cupboards and doors. Humpy things and slender things and dull shiny things dangled from the ceiling. There were windows too, three, to my right. Could I see outside? Would the others try to stop me? I hurried to the nearest window and looked out onto a courtyard. A wall of very tall, very white bones, all crammed together like a stockade, surrounded the courtyard. Each bone was topped with a great fang. Stone buildings sat in the shadow of the wall. My mind barely registered them because those bones transfixed me. What kind of creature had they come from? And why couldn't I see beyond the wall? A waist-high dome sat in the centre of the courtyard. Surrounded by greenery and paths, it was bleached yellow, like the crown of a skull. Only, it must have been ten metres long. Is this a relic? Have you seen enough? Steinkat called. I hadn't seen half enough, but I didn't want to push my luck. Once I rejoined the others, Shiny Top said, You will learn the geography of Doonery by learning about Doonery food. Soon you will start school, Steinkat butted in, moving between me and Shiny Top. I didn't like where this was going. The idea of attending a Doonery school had terrified me. Secondly, Shiny Top and Steincat were verging on open warfare. School, I said. Yes, Shiny Top said. I don't have time to teach you everything. Considering Shiny Top had much else to do, this sounded odd. I said, what? I'm going home. Not to school. A long silence followed this. Shiny Top said, Home. Yes, someday. But you need school too. But, I began, did find out where I came from. Over the next few minutes, as the cat and the stick verbally fought each other to give me information, I learned that, to fit in at school, I would assume a new identity. I would be an orphan of one of Ganhook's spies, 
from a distant agricultural province called Brugent. To support my new identity, I needed to learn everything I could about Brugent. You're a country boy, Steinkat said, from Brugent. You've never seen a city before. This will make it easier for you to act dumb. I shuddered. Alone in this place, I already felt orphaned and dumb. I desperately missed my parents and friends, and it really annoyed me why Ganthog hadn't told me about this himself. Shiny Top said, Brogant cuisine is famous throughout Dunery. All Brogant children learn this cuisine. It is a perfect way to learn about your home province, Steinkat said. Dunery education, Shiny Top cut in, is learn by doing. So you will learn lots of Dunery geography by learning about Dunery food. This absolutely flummoxed me. Yet, even if I couldn't understand the relationship between food and geography, I'd be happy to learn by doing if it meant I got to try out lots of new food. Steinkat pointed at the vegetables. These are unique Brogant vegetables. And they are the ingredients of a basic Brogant boil pot. Glad to shift the focus away from school, I pointed at the saucer. Is that a flavouring? It's an antidote, Shiny Top said. Not an antidote, Steinkat added. It will settle your stomach if the food doesn't agree with you. And if... We don't know what doonery food you can eat, Shiny Top hissed. That's why we've only given you bread so far. Starving, I didn't need to hear any more. Nor did I care if the food made me sick. I took a bite of the dull yellow root. It tasted like a salty apple. Nice, but probably be nicer cooked. Wait, Steinkat said. Ignoring her, I munched on a leafy green stalk. It was sour, but enjoyably sour. My behaviour shocked the other two into silence, which was a relief. When I tested each vegetable, I burped and said, After my Aunt May's cooking, I can eat anything. Steinkat said, I'll remember that the next time I buy crispy breech legs. After that, following Shiny Top's instructions, I cooked a brogant boil pot while learning what the ingredients were called and how they were grown. The food tasted delicious. I was also glad it was a vegetarian meal. I'd seen enough bones for one day. The only thing that bothered me was being watched while I was eating. Back then, I had blamed Aunt May for that. She was a dreadful cook. Even her cat wouldn't touch the leftovers. And whenever she fed me, she'd keep staring across the table until I gave her a compliment. I know now that this dislike of being watched while eating behaviour was a symptom of something else, but I'll deal with that another time. When the food was finished, Steinkat left, but not before ordering me to do the dishes. Between the sound of running water, the aroma of spices, and the warmth from the oven, I could have stayed in that kitchen forever. After half an hour scrubbing pots and plates, however, I was glad to flee back to room zero. It was only later, 
as I reflected on the day, that I realised Shiny Top and Stankat had never directly spoken. Not once. When I quizzed Shiny Top about this, he said, A handsome chap like you will be popular at school, especially with the girls. Now I don't blush often, but I blushed then. Desperate to change the subject, I asked Shiny Top again about his relationship with the cat. She hates ghosts, he replied. Absolutely hates them. Some context and ideas about otherworldly food. When I was first introduced to the concept of using food to learn about Dunaree, I thought it was ridiculous. The more I thought about it, though, the more this method of learning appealed to me. Back then I was always hungry. So, for a hungry teenager, it became a joy to learn about new locations through food. And what better location to learn about first than Brogant, the place renowned for its cuisine? The province was colonised due to its prime land. The province grew wealthy by cultivating the finest tuber vegetables. And the province grew famous for training chefs and gardeners. Although there were many Brogat eating holes in the city of Bones, I wasn't ready to visit them. Instead, Ganhook used Levun to transform our kitchen into a basic Brogant eatery. It was there, surrounded by traditional Brogant art, listening to traditional Brogant music, and using traditional Brogant recipes, that I became Fox Keys, the dumb provincial farm boy. I couldn't have imagined a better way to create a new identity. Of course, I had to read a lot of books about Brogan too, but the kitchen was the fun part. I could eat what I wanted, and all of it was nice. Analyzing food is a great way to add details to your world without explaining much. So, how can you build out your world using this method? Think about a time you visited an Indian restaurant. Was there Indian music? Were there pictures on the wall representing the part of India the restaurant owners came from? What other features were used to give diners an authentic experience? Now, imagine that the hero of your world needs to travel to an unfamiliar city or country. Instead of waiting for her to arrive at this destination before describing the place, foreshadow the trip by having her visit a restaurant native to that place. This will give you an opportunity to introduce the location before your hero gets there. And you can build this on many levels. Perhaps, when your hero is on the restaurant visit, the food disagrees with her. This can work as subtext to give an idea of how tough her trip will be. Food can be used to portray how a society developed. Humanity's biggest leap in evolution occurred when our hunter-gatherer ancestors cultivated wild grains. This lessened the need to travel to hunt, which led to the first villages, towns, cities and empires. How did the races in your world evolve? Could you build your world societies around this evolution? 
go to your kitchen and examine three or four items. Note where they originated and notice if they are preserved or fresh. If preserved, what is used to preserve them? This could lead you to how your society develops. For example, empires were built around salt alone. What special things can be found in your world? And how have societies formed around these special things? A huge part of any society is based around food. And a huge part of food involves multiculturalism, which, in turn, adds more depth to your world. An understanding of food can provide countless possibilities for creating countless details for your world. Are different races in competition for land resources? Can famines occur? Are food supplies to certain areas subject to strict importation or exportation laws, taxes, or outright corruption? Are certain foodstuffs dangerous to certain people in your world? What about food allergies? And so on and so on and so on. If you want to take your world building to a new, fun level, why not create a recipe from your world? And if you really, really want to get some heads turning, visit an Asian or African food shop, discover some new foods, incorporate them in your otherworldly recipe, and create a meal from another dimension to entertain your friends. Food isn't just for eating. Food is there to be used. Now it's time for the Strange But True segment. People sometimes wonder where the delicious Shell Valley bread originated. To understand this, we must first understand the habits of the roar bird. Emerging from secret nests in the Algot Mountains, these birds spend their lives soaring throughout Dunery following ancient secret sky trails to ancient secret sky places. Rarely seen, roar birds grow so big they'd darken your house with shadow if they flew overhead. And, as they rise from the Algot, so they fall within the Algot. When their travelling days are over, their death flight brings them home, carrying them deep into the mountains where they crash and die. The last flight of a roar bird is a rarely witnessed event, and their death crash sites are rarely found. But they provide a bounty when they are. The bird's remains are rich with the levon they've absorbed over the centuries. And exotic food, too. To sustain them on long journeys, the birds have breast pouches where they can store seeds and other foodstuff. Many of these seeds and foodstuffs are unfamiliar to humans. When the bird dies, gardens of unusual plants sprout from the decomposed remains. It is thought that one such roar bird brought the grains that developed into the Shell Valley bread. This particular bird's last flight carried it inland from the empty sea on a southeasterly direction across Tinot province. As it coasted over the fertile Shell Valley, locals 
witness had been attacked by Drayhawks. The roar bird fought them off and continued its journey. Months later, patches of an unusual grain sprouted across the valley. The grain thrived so well that the farmers who discovered it cultivated it due to its taste. Thus, Shell Valley bread was born. It is presumed that during the roar bird's defence against the hawks, these grains fell from its breast pouch. Luckily for the Shell Valley farmers, these grains will grow nowhere other than the Shell Valley. A magnificent gift from a magnificent beast. That is all for this episode. Next time, I describe my first escape attempt from Dunri, and I describe how to create world-building details by learning to avoid the familiar. Until then, goodbye. Or, as we say in Dunri, Dreyavik. <laughs>